The Pat Kenny Show with Matter Private Network on News Talk. Now, over 5,000 offers of social housing were refused in the past two years with a variety of reasons given. This is according to a report in the Irish Independent this morning. An average of one in five offers were turned down with almost 25,000 offers of social housing made across 2021 and 2022. Now, I'm joined by Independent Meath Councillor and Chairperson of Ratoth Municipal District, Nick Killian, and Assistant Professor of Social Policy at Maynooth University and author of the book Gaffs, Dr Rory Hearn. Good morning, and welcome to you both. Um, Rory, what do you make of this, uh, first of all? I mean, many people will be scandalised that so many offers of publicly funded housing were turned down at a time of a housing crisis. Yeah, and that's the way it seems when you look at the headlines. But when you actually look at it, and I think we need to take a step back, the figures, when you look at it overall, 25,000 offers of council housing, social housing were made. And of those offers, 20,000 were accepted. So that's 80% were accepted. So you're talking about a small minority, a significant minority, 5,000 weren't accepted, they were refused. And it's important to go into this to understand, well, why would someone refuse the offer um, of a council house or a housing association home? And we need to understand there are many reasons for that. And I've worked in social housing for many years and worked with tenants who were in situations, for example, of overcrowding or living in poor, damp conditions. And they might have been offered an alternative accommodation, but it wasn't appropriate to their needs. For example, if you had a parent with three children, the council might have offered them a two-bedroom home. And they were like, well, that's not appropriate to my needs, so I have to turn that down. So it's not straight out that people are just refusing accommodation. The councils make offers of accommodation, and it mightn't be necessarily appropriate to that family's or that particular individual's needs. And I had one um, tenant that I worked with, I remember, for a long time, and they had a child with autism, and they were really looking for um, outdoor space. The child had particularly severe autism, and they needed outdoor space. And the council made a number of offers of apartments, which wasn't appropriate to the child's needs. And so the tenant turned them down until they could get a home with a garden. And I think in that context, you can understand why someone would do that. And I think we need to, again, step back and say, OK, if you have money and if you have income, you get to choose where you live. So you buy the property. When you, for example, Pat, were buying your home, you didn't go to the first property and go, I'll buy that if it wasn't appropriate to what you thought was your need. And in the same way, this is in terms of housing and accessing housing. This is the way council tenants, those in lower incomes, can access housing. And there is a real issue with substandard um, council housing, things like mould and damp. And I have seen councils make offers to families with children of mouldy property, uh, damp property. And the, like, what family in a right mind would take that, even mm. though their own situation mightn't be exactly the right situation? So I think we need to go behind the headline figure and look at, well, what's happening here? Why is this happening? And I, th- I do think there's a real issue, which is the substandard nature of a quite a significant proportion of councils' properties. And families and individuals are rightfully saying that's not habitable, that's not livable in. And so they're saying, I need something else. Is, is, it, when is, it, children- is it fair, though, to councils to say that they 
offer mouldy and unhealthy properties. I mean, you know, all I know about any experiences that we've had here on the programme, people talking about it, the councils refurb houses even when they, they buy them under the in situ rule or whatever they do. They want to bring them up to spec. That's their ambition. Yes, absolutely. It is. And and the reason I was saying that is because I started the point in making that the overwhelming majority of offers are being accepted, which shows that the overwhelming majority of properties that councils are offering are obviously good quality homes that are appropriate to people's needs. So the councils are doing a good job on that. But there is a minority, a small minority of properties that for whatever reason are not suitable to that person's Mm. needs. I'll give you another example, medical needs. I was working with a a tenant before who had um, significant mobility issues, significant long-term health needs, which meant they needed to be on a ground floor flat. They needed additional room as well for a carer to be present on different days that they came and sometimes needed to stay overnight. But the council couldn't offer them a two-bed downstairs yeah. flat. So they made a number of offers. Yeah, but, that but, tenant but, turned you know, them down. People who have to depend on their own resources to provide their housing, they often don't get what they really need. They have to buy a house or an apartment that's too small, really, for the needs of a growing family. But because they're not putting themselves at, at the mercy of a, a council or a housing association, they, you know, needs must. And is it the case that maybe people are looking for perfection where in the private sector, perfection is not always available. I want to live beside my mammy. Well, I'm sorry, you've got to live in suburbia while your mammy lives in maybe Dublin 2 or Dublin 3. Do you know what I mean? That, that perf- I, 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 think, I think, of course, people have to, you know, live uh, and within reasonable expectations of, you know, what can be done. But I do think we need to understand the difference between people who don't have access to high incomes, who don't have access to networks of social capital and networks of privileged support, and the isolation that they experience when, for example, they can't afford childcare or they can't afford healthcare, and therefore the need, they really need to be in the support of their community, their networks, their families. And so if they're offered somewhere that's on the far side of the city, that means they lose their childcare support, they might be caring for a family member, then it's not realistic to expect them to take that. So I don't think we can just say, oh, you know, it's no, it, they've, the expectations are too high. People have legitimate expectations and needs. Uh, some of the texts coming in, I bought a house. It's not the one I wanted, where I wanted, because I couldn't afford that. I had to settle for less. Another one, you never get to live where you choose. You get to live where you can afford. So a lot of people are circumscribed by their own circumstances. And, uh, you, you know, that that's life. You know, you don't always get perfection. No, you absolutely don't. But I think we need to understand, again, I'll come back to the overwhelming majority of of offers of social housing in the last two years were accepted by the people who needed them. 80% were. We're only talking about 20%. And when you drill into that 20%, you see that there are many particular individual needs for why someone is not accepting a property. And the other thing is that if this is their permanent home then, and so, for example, if someone has a child, you know, a, a one parent with two children are offered a two-bedroom uh, apartment, for example, and they know they're actually going to need two beds within a relatively short space of time, or three beds, should I say, when children are going up and they can't share their room, or there's, for example, overcrowding, of course, people are um, going to say, well, that's not appropriate. And there has to be some room of choice. And actually, Meath County Council introduced the choice-based letting system, 
which is where they essentially have a system which would they advertise the properties to those who are on the waiting list and then people essentially uh, apply for them on the base of the need and they find this is working much better mm. and they've reduced Don't the they number have of a situation whereby if you if you turn down a property uh, more than once that that's it I'm not sure if that's the situation in Mead. I know that there is a limit in terms of the number of um, refusals you can turn down. Um, and again, that's that's a real issue, you know, because we do we have to understand like this is people who, um, you know, when we look in terms of the social housing tenants, they are on very, very low incomes. They do not have any financial capacity to have make alternative choices around where they rent or where they buy. They are reliant on public housing, which is completely understandable given the cost of housing. And therefore, I think there has to be an element of choice and support of that choice yeah. built into the system. Now, uh, some of the headlines from that uh, particular p- piece, uh, apartments or duplexes being offered instead of houses. That was a common reason. I want a house. I don't want a, an apartment. Uh, areas known for their antisocial behaviour and who can blame someone for turning down maybe an accommodation in a drug-ridden flat complex. Um, I don't want to live near my ex-partner uh, is another reason. Can, can, can I just pin on that, that one? That, like, that is an issue. You know, in terms. No, I'm not of, saying it's not. In, fa- in fact, I say precisely, it is an issue. Yeah. If you're offered a, in a particular flat complex where you know there's a drug dealing going on, who'd want to live in that? Well, yeah, I, absolutely. And what you know, who would bring their children into that? And that is another reason families and children turn down certain estates or certain areas because they're really concerned about their children. Um, and the other reason is domestic abuse, that, um, and that's mentioned as well as one of the reasons people don't want to refuse it because it was close to an ex-partner. And again, when you look behind that, what is the reason is it's often a case of domestic abuse and they're, you know, moving back into an area close to, you know, an abuser when they clearly need somewhere else. And again, you know, these are particular cases and particular situations. And I said, you know, the system needs to have that flexibility to support those. And as I said, they are a minority. So I think we need to see that. Uh, Dr. Rory Hearn, Assistant Professor of Social Policy at Maynooth University, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Nick Killian vanished. Um, we had hoped to talk to him, uh, had agreed to talk to him, but uh, he did not pick up. So we're going to park that one there for the moment. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.